0: So uh, let me let me start with this. Uh, how many of you have like a really big sweet tooth? Anybody? Anybody like have a really big sweet like anybody really love candy? Or, or okay, maybe let me let me broaden it a little more. Okay, uh, how many of you just have like like one weakness? Like if someone offers you this type of food or this type of drink like you are quick to be like yes. Like it could be sweet, it could be uh, it could be Chick-fil-A, it could be salty, sweet, sour, savory, whatever. Anybody want to share what that is, real quick? Bailey. Buffalo chicken dip. Buffalo chicken dip? Oh, it's so good. No, no. Have a lot, but you have not. You to pick one. Now that you name that one, I mean, I guess um, so. It has to have it. I, I get Chick-fil-A the little chicken nuggets with the uh, Chick-fil-A sauce. So okay, good. Dylan. Peppermint York peppermint patties? <laughs> Will. Chicken minis? Gracie. Uh, barbecue and Chick-fil-A. Barbecue and Chick-fil-A? Naomi. Chick-fil-A mitts. Chick-fil-A mitts. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Connor. <I laughs> Shrimp? Room. Shrimp? I'm a seafood guy. A seafood guy. Thomas. Seafood guy. What? What is it? Slick pig. Oh, slick pig. I'm gotcha. Ribs. Eli. Huh? I'm ribs? ribs? Crab legs? Crab legs? Sausage balls? What was it? Spicy stuff? Sour Patch Kids? Okay. Now, all right. I know it's. I know I got you tempted. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw you off on that. So, I want to run. I want to run with the candy one, actually. So imagine. Hey, shh, shh, guys up here. Guys up here. Guys up here. I want you to imagine like. Let's go back to the candy one. All right. So when you're really tempted by that candy, whether it be Sour Patch Kids or whatever else, what happens when you, when you dive into and you eat some of it? Do you normally want more after it's yeah. done? Yeah. So let me ask this. What happens if you just continually give in to that sensation and constantly eat candy over and over and over again? What's going to happen? Yeah. What are like something? Okay, like you're going to gain weight. Anything else? Any other health habits that are going to come with that? <laughs>
1: okay. Cavities.
0: Okay. Cavities really bad. Stomachache. What else? Short answers. What else can happen? Get fat. Okay. You get gain weight. You get diabetes. You get diabetes. Things like that. So, so think about this. Like, so there's a reason. There's a reason why I ask you this. Okay. So you had this one like temptation, like ooh, like I really love Sour Patch Kids, or ooh, I really love Chick Fil A, or ooh, I really love this. And the thing is, the thing is, it, it's so it's almost like you cannot resist it. And so once you keep going at it more and more and more, in the moment, what seems great, if you continually Give into that can eventually become something really, really bad, right? It's like if we keep eating candy and the moment it's like, well, just candy. But if we continually give into candy over and over and over and over again, it can lead to cavities. It could lead to gaining weight. It could lead to diabetes, things like that. And as bad as it sounds, like if we keep doing that and giving into that, it could lead to just loss of life, which is terrible to think about. But I want you to think about this for a sec. I asked you kind of like what your weakness is as far as let's say candy goes or food goes or things like that, I don't want you to answer this one out loud, but I don't want you to think about this one personally. What is, what is one weakness? What is one area? What is one temptation? Kind of like that simple temptation when it's in front of you, it's really hard to resist. Could it be lying? Could it be gossiping? Could it be lust? Could it just be prone to anger? things like that where it's just it's so it's so difficult in the moment when we face these things and sometimes in the moment it could seem really fine like we just give into that moment it could seem great but if we keep going on going it could eventually lead to what we're going to see tonight. It could lead to just more and more deterring us from our faith. And, and I don't want us having that happen because that's exactly what Satan wants us to do is deter us more and more from our faith. But what I want us to see tonight, the beautiful thing is that we can overcome those temptations and resist those temptations and find forgiveness from when we give into those temptations. Because here's the thing. We as fallen human beings, we're prone, like we're bent towards wanting to give in. That when we face in front of it, we face gossip or lust or lying or whatever else. We're, we're just, our hearts are bent towards wanting to give into that. We're drawn to them. But here's the thing I want you to get. Here is the main point I want you to understand about tonight's passage: is this is that it is only by the power of the gospel that we are able to resist and overcome temptations. So on your pieces of paper they have in front of you, you'll see it says main point. Um, and so the main point overall of this message is that it is only by the power of the gospel that we are able to resist and overcome temptations. It is only by the power of the gospel that we are able to resist and overcome temptations. So if you have a physical Bible, um, We're going to be in James chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be on the back of those notes that you have with you. Um, It's going to be on the back of that sheet to where you can follow along. Plus, I'm also going to have it up on the screen when we go through it, too. So we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. All right this is the word of the Lord. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, we just come before you with just open hearts and open minds. I pray that by the power of your spirit, you will just open up our hearts and open up our minds to understand this, and process this, and live out this truth. I pray in these next few minutes, you will just free us from any distractions, anything that could be weighing on our minds, anything that could be weighing on our hearts, so that we can just come before you and just learn more about you, and ultimately become that much more like Christ. So I pray in these next few minutes that I will just hide behind your word and let it speak for ourselves, that all of us will leave here tonight that much more changed by your gospel. And become that much more like Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there is two truths that James wants us to get out of this passage. There is two main points that we are to know if we are going to resist temptations. Or at least know about temptations. And so the first one is this. Is that ongoing sin leads to spiritual death. Ongoing sin leads to spiritual death. Death. Look at what it says in verses 13 through 15, where it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it, fully, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So two weeks ago, we looked at what it means to face trials. How trials ultimately help us to strengthen our faith, draw us closer to God. Tonight, we're going to be looking at temptations and how they want us to draw away from God. And so what we must understand is that whenever we face a trial, whenever we face a difficulty in life, there is always a temptation in that to sin. Like anybody, if, if they're really willing to be honest... When you face a really difficult time, you were just looked up. You said, why, God? Why have this happen? Why allow this to come about? Why would you let this happen to me or to my family or to this person? And so it's in those moments that we say, why? That it's so tempting to want to sin against God. Or we say, well, God did this, so that's why. And, and that's not what James is saying in this passage. Because here's the thing. Trials and temptations are two different kinds of tests, Okay. I know y'all are getting grades soon, so you probably don't want to hear more about tests, but there's two different kinds of tests. And there's trials and there's temptations. Here's what trials are meant to do. Trials are meant to draw you closer to God and strengthen your faith. Temptations are meant to draw you away from God and destroy your faith. A temptation, it's an impulse to sin. And so here's what I want you to understand with this. God tests us to strengthen our faith. While Satan tempts us to destroy our faith. Because like it says, says God cannot be tempted with evil because it's not a part of his nature. It's not not a part of him. He can't. And we'll see later that his nature is good and perfect. That he can never be vulnerable or susceptible to sin. And so because he's not vulnerable or susceptible for evil, then that means he cannot tempt us into evil and wait till after. And so it is only, so what it's saying is, is that we cannot, or it says we cannot be tempted by God because God cannot be tempted with evil. So since God cannot be tempted with evil, he wouldn't tempt us with evil. Instead, it says each person when he's Lord and enticed by his own desire. So it's by our own desire that we choose to sin. And so like those words Lord and enticed, basically what they mean is Lord is like attracted to something. Like we are attracted to that over there or enticed. In other words, is like entrapped by like with bait. Like anybody, a fisher, anybody regular kind of fish? Like, what do you normally get to catch a fish? Do you just throw your hook out there and that's it? No, no. what do you put on it? You put a lure and you put some sort of bait on there, right? Yeah, you might use worms, you might use other things. And what's the point of that bait? It's try to catch the fish. Because the fish, when he sees the hook, goes, well, I'm not going to go to that. Why would I want to get hooked on that? I'm not going to do that. But when they, see, when they see the worm, when they see that, they're tempted to get hooked on that. And it's the same thing is that, is that Satan wants to lure us with this bait. Because if he comes right out and tries to tempt us with it, we're going to be like, no, I'm not going to go with that. But when he lures us with bait, then it becomes that much more attractive to us. That's how he tries to lure us to weigh. Because here's the thing. We cannot resist Temptations by our own power, because again, our natural state is a sinful nature, so we're prone to want to give in to that, like I said at the beginning. So we can either resist or we can succumb to that temptation. But if we try to resist those temptations in our own power, we won't be able to. Because again, it's not a part of our nature. We cannot we cannot resist it by ourselves. We succumb to sin by our own natural evil desire. Like it says in Jeremiah seventeen nine, it's because our hearts are weak, wicked and deceitful above all else so they can't be trusted. And so Satan plays off that. Satan knows what our weaknesses are. Satan knows just what makes us tick, the buttons to push, to get us to give into that. Because here's the thing, it's not going to be this grand, big thing. It's going to start out very small. Then in the moment, we think nothing of it. But as it grows and builds, next thing you know, we look back and go, how in the world did I get from this point to this point? Uh, And plus, it also says we succumb by our own evil desires. Like anybody ever heard the phrase, the devil made me do it? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Here's the thing. According to this passage, the devil did not make us do it. What it's saying is, is Satan put the bait out there and it's our choice whether or not we take the bait. And like I said, he knows so he's going to start very small and work his way up. Because he's not going to start with something big. Because if he starts with something big, we're going to know and go, no. Uh, a way I'll describe it, has anybody ever heard of the boiling frog syndrome? No. Anybody ever heard of that? No. Okay, so here's how the boiling frog syndrome works. Is that if you bring water to a boil and then try to throw a frog in it, it's going to immediately jump out. But if you place a frog in cold water and then slowly heat the pot... And it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. The frog doesn't realize it. till eventually, the frog, unfortunately, is is boiled alive. I know that seems a little extreme, but, but in the same way, Satan does it little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit, bigger and bigger and bigger until we realize, how in the world did I get from point A to point B? It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. To try to devour us, so we must always. It says we must be sober-minded and watchful, always on guard, knowing how to resist him. So we must always be on guard because there's Satan. never takes an off day. He never takes an off day. He's always trying to think of little ways to try to draw us away from God. And so, like it says, when each person is enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it fully grown, brings forth. Death. And so when we continually succumb to sin more and more and more until it's fully grown, it's going to produce, in this case, spiritual death that we're drawing farther and farther away from God until at the end of it, then we could be separated from God forever. That's what Satan, his ultimate desire is to draw us away from God. And so this is in total contrast to what we saw in verses like 1 through 12, where if we endure trials until the end, then we will receive the crown of life. Well, Satan wants to flip that on its head and wants us to not endure through these, just give in and go until the end. And the next you know, we're separated from God forever. And that's not what God intended. So there's a contrast between verses 1 through 12 for those who endure trials until the end. And here in 13 through 18 of those who just let sin run its course which will lead to death and separation from God. So here's what I want us to know. Enduring trials produces life, while succumbing to sin produces death. Like I said, it's succumbing to sin. What I want us to understand is this, is that there is a difference between desire and sin. There's a difference between temptation and sin, okay? I want everybody to follow along with me on this. There, you could have a desire to want to sin, but it's different whether you resist that or give in to that desire, okay? It's like at the beginning, if someone presents that piece of food in front of you, you can't resist, like that you just really love, you can either choose to eat it or not to eat it, okay? It's the same thing with this: is that when the temptation, when the desire is put in front of us, we can either choose to give into it or choose to not give into it. So when we are tempted by something. Once we give in to that desire, then that is sinning. But if we resist that, that is not sinning. It's just we're facing temptations. And so a way I would describe it is is temptation leads to giving into temptation, which leads into sin as birth, which leads to sin grows, which eventually leads to spiritual death. I think I put this in there. And so here's, here's what I want you to think about. You don't have to answer this one out loud. I want you to think about this. What are your weaknesses? What are those sinful desires that are most hard to resist in your life? Or do you personally know them? Do you constantly maybe give in to those sinful desires? Are you carrying a weight of shame and guilt even tonight as you come into tonight? Because here's the thing. If you came into tonight and you're carrying that weight, you're carrying that guilt and shame on your shoulders, I want you to know that you do not have to carry that. You're not meant to carry that. That you can be freed from all of that. That if you, can, if you will repent of those sins and turn to Jesus, you will instantly be forgiven of those sins. You'll instantly be lifted from the guilt and shame that comes with those sins. And you'll be brought back into a right relationship with God. Because here's the thing, Satan wants to constantly make you think that the more and more you give in into these temptations, that the more and more you give in, that he'll drag you so far away from God to a point where you think, how in the world did I get to this point? And then it's at that point, Satan wants you to think, see, look at all that you've done. You are too far from God. There's no way. There's no way God will welcome you back. There's no way that God could love you in this state. There's no way. Look how guilty. Look how shameful you are. No one can know about this. That's where Satan wants you to get it. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that is a lie. That is a lie. That you are never too far gone from grace, okay? I want you to this. No matter how much you feel like you have sinned and fallen away from God, that you are never too far away from him. That his love will reach you wherever you are. Because think about this, okay? In this passage, in verses 14 to 15, it says, okay, we we succumb to sin, it gives birth to sin, and then we console it fully grown until in the end it produces death. So imagine if we reverse that. Imagine if we do the opposite of that. Imagine instead, instead of succumbing to sin, imagine instead of giving in to sin, we are running to Jesus instead. We're giving in to his desires and running to him for stuff. Imagine what that can do. When you're constantly running to Jesus and leaning into him, then love is produced more and more and more and more. The true deep desires of your hearts are satisfied that you're longing for. And in the end, it produces spiritual life, abundant life, eternal life. Because here's what Satan tries to do. Here's what sin is. Another way you can look at it. It's a detour away from the true intention of what God had. Basically, when God created everything in the world, he created it with an intention, a good intention. And what Satan does is he takes that, he distorts it, and then puts us in front of it and saying, no, this is what you truly want. To try to drag us away from it. Because here's the thing, ongoing sin will always lead to spiritual death. And the thing is, is we cannot resist in our own power. We need help. And help... Comes from the second main point, which is the gospel. Because the gospel leads to spiritual life. The gospel leads to spiritual life. Like it says in verses 16 through 18: Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So think about this. It says every good gift, every perfect gift is from God, which means the source of everything good and the source of everything perfect comes from God. This reiterates what it says a few verses earlier, that God cannot be tempted by sin. God cannot tempt us with sin because it's not a part of his nature. It's not a part of his character. He is good and perfect. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 10:13 that no temptation will overcome you because God will always provide a way out of it. Because God has overcome every temptation, every sin, every sort of evil that can be thrown at us and tempt us. Think about this, God's character and will never changes. His good and perfect nature never changes. That's why it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're going to see just how important that is that his will never changes. Because James explains that, that that he calls God the Father of lights. That's why it says in 17, from the Father of lights. He could have said the God of lights. He could have said the Lord of lights. But he said the Father of lights. The reason being he said Father is to explain something, that it, he, God does not show favoritism. He does not show favoritism on whom he gives out his good and perfect gifts. Like we saw two weeks ago in verse 5 of James chapter 1, that those who lack wisdom, if they come to God in faith, God will lavish wisdom upon him. He won't hold back, no strings attached, nothing else. He will give that to them. Because God does not withhold any good or perfect gift from his children, including the greatest gift that he could ever give us, which is this. It is a new birth. The greatest gift God could ever give us is a new birth. So think about what it says here in verse 18. Of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, God, by his own will, brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. God chose by that same good and perfect character to save us. Think about this God, from all eternity, saw our lives past present future he saw all the sins we would make all the mistakes we make all the times we'd fall all the times we'd turn away from him and you know what he did he still chose to come down and die on the cross for all of our sins for all of time to forgive us and bring us back into a right relationship with him That is why it says we would be the first fruits of his creature. What, what that means, that kind of sounds weird. What does it mean by first fruits of his creature? Basically, first fruits means like the first produce created. So basically what God is doing is God is doing a redemptive work by redeeming all of the world back to himself. And we were the first ones that were able to be redeemed back by God to himself. And then he's continually working on that redemption until he brings it to the full day of completion, like we saw two weeks ago when Christ is revealed and he wrongs or he writes every wrong and brings everything back. Back into perfect order because his nature is good and perfect because here's the thing God saw that we could not overcome sin and temptations by ourselves he saw that we could not do that by our own nature by ourselves so God sent Jesus to take on our flesh and to die in our place That Jesus walked on this earth just like we did, took on flesh just like we have, and he lived a perfect and sinless life so that he could overcome sin and death and the grave because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. But we can resist temptations and resist and overcome all sins because of Christ, because of the gospel. That's what the word of truth is. It's the gospel. God redeems us and calls us out of this sinful state that we're in by the word of truth, by the gospel. So I want you to think about this for a sec. If you don't get anything else, I want you to understand this. That since God's will, since God's will and character never wavers, never changes, cannot tempt us with evil, and truly loves us, that I want you to know this. God does not regret saving you. God does not regret saving you. So think about this. All the, sins you've, all the sins you might have fallen into, all the guilt that you might feel on you, all the shame that you might feel on you, all the things that you give into where you feel you are too far gone, think, how in the world could God ever love me? God does not regret saving you. God is not sitting up in heaven going, I'm just waiting for you to mess up. I'm just waiting for you to mess up. No, he's saying, no, come back to me. Run back into my arms. I love you. I cherish you. I want you to turn from these sins and come to me. And I will forgive you. I will uplift those burdens off your shoulders and put them on myself because I already put it on my son on the cross and took care of it for all of time. God does not regret saving you. Because Satan always wants you to believe you are too far gone from the grace of God. But God stands there with arms wide open, calling us back to him. And because Jesus has overcome every sin, every evil, every lie, there is nothing that can separate us from him. In fact, it says in Romans 9:38 that there is no angel, nor power, nor past, nor present, nor height, nor depth Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so there is nothing that can hold you back. There is no lie. There is no fear. There is no guilt. There is no shame too great that can hold you back from returning to God. So let me ask you this What is holding you back from coming back to God? Do you have any hang ups in your mind? that you believe stop you from truly being able to come to him. Because here's what I want you to understand. If, if you feel that way, that you have ups. I want to encourage you that there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Sprint to Jesus, run to him. You can repent and believe in him again and return to Jesus who longs to save you from your sins, to lift that guilt off your shoulders, to remove that shame Remove that burden that you're carrying, that you weren't meant to carry. He wants to love you, and he wants to give you every good and perfect gift, because he loves you. He wants to give you every good and perfect gift in order for you to follow him. You can run home to God tonight and have your heart transformed forever, from spiritual death to spiritual life, from a heart that gives into temptations and sees these things as just better and better and turn your heart to Jesus and see him as beautiful. Because here's the thing. Yes, the more you run to sin and give in to sin, it will lead to spiritual death. But the more you run to the gospel, the more the life of Christ is produced in you. And in the end, leads to eternal spiritual life. So I, I want to I close with this. Maybe some of you in here tonight You've heard all this and and maybe you've never believed in Christ for the first time. You don't get all this. You're just running in all different directions, trying to overcome these things, trying to run to all these different temptations, all these things the world says, this is what will truly make you happy. And it's just not. It makes you leave more empty, more lonely, feeling more broken, more burdened, more guilt filled. I'm here to tell you tonight that you can have that burden lifted. That you can't, you'll never find true happiness if you pursue the world. But if you will repent of those sins, repent of those pursuits, and instead turn to Jesus, believe in him, believe in his finished work on the cross, that he has overcome sin, death, grave, everything else, then you can be transformed tonight forever. Maybe there's some of you in here tonight, yes, you have believed in Christ, but you are just struggling. It's just constantly giving in to sin. And maybe you don't want people to know, well, what do people in LSM know? What do people at the church know? What do people find out what I'm truly in? There's, there's no way, not only God can love you, but people will look at me different. People will be ashamed of me. People won't be able to truly love me. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that is a lie, that the gospel is for you too, that Jesus loves you and this church loves you. That no matter how far gone you may feel, that you can always return back to Christ he will welcome you back with open arms. If you will repent and return to him, he is faithful to forgive you. He is faithful to love you. And lastly, maybe there are some of you in here that, yes, you believe in Christ and and you're doing well so far. That you are truly growing in your faith. You're able to learn those weak spots and you're able to constantly be watchful and constantly resist what Satan's throwing at you. I want you to say this, continue onward. Keep running back to the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel to yourself daily. Keep daily denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him because Satan prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to try to drag us away, to try to lure us away and get started the tiniest thing. So I'm saying run back to Christ. Continue clinging to him because it is only by his power, it is only by his grace that we're able to overcome all of this. But not only that, the beautiful thing is that now you can come alongside some of your other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are struggling and bear that burden with them. Because like I said, we are family. I don't know what some of you have come in here tonight that's maybe weighing on your shoulders, that's maybe weighing on your mind, that's maybe weighing on your heart. But I want you to know it doesn't have to weigh on your heart. You don't have to hide it in the shadows. You can bring it to the light and be forgiven. You can be loved. You can be brought back into a beautiful, right relationship with Christ, That is only by the power of the gospel that we are able to overcome temptations, overcome sin. So here's what I want us to do. I just want us to take a few minutes. And there is a few lines at the bottom of y'all's papers for a response. Maybe there is something tonight that you have heard that has just stuck out to you. That's meant a lot to you. Maybe there is a sin that God has revealed in your life you need to confess to him. Maybe there's a weak spot that God has pointed out saying you never thought of before. Maybe there's just a truth that really meant a lot to you that you want to cling to this week. I just want you to take a few minutes just to write down the line. I'm just going to play just a little bit of subtle music in the back to kind of help y'all focus some. Just take a few minutes. It could be you praying to God. If you want to, I know there's not much space. If you want to come to this and treat it like an altar and pray there. If you want to pray with a friend. If you want to pray with an adult leader. Any of that. I just want to take these next few minutes that you have this time between you and God to respond to me. What God has taught you through this. And then after a few minutes, after that, I'm going to play one more song. I'm going to play Living Hope for us to sing to. That we can sing about the living hope that we have in Christ. That sin and grave no longer have a claim on us, but we can overcome all that by the power of the cross. So I want y'all to take a few minutes and just respond.